Chapter 15 in your textbook deals with the arts, so we're going to focus on something very simple, beginning with body decoration and adornment, explaining variation in the arts, viewing the art of other cultures, and artistic change in culture contact. Uh, the earliest evidence of art that we have uh, for humanity date back to 70,000 years ago, perhaps even, even earlier. Uh, in South Africa, very simple kind of uh, incisions on, on stone artifacts. Uh, there may have been other kinds of art, uh, but we really haven't recovered anything. But one of the things that's significant is that uh, as we uh, go back to about 70,000 years ago, we begin to find that the, the humans, not only do they uh, look like us, and in fact they look like us for maybe 150,000 years ago, uh, but they began to have cultural attributes such as art that uh, resembles uh, uh, humans of, uh, of today. Uh, and here's some uh, other kinds of uh, art. Uh, these are uh, shells perforated, uh, and they were essentially strung, and they were, were necklaces. Um, and then here we have uh, pieces of... Um, Ostrich egg shell again, sixty thousand years ago. For some reason, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand years ago, we really begin to find uh, good evidence of, of art, and uh, on all sorts of this case, uh, uh, on all sorts of different uh, sorts of things. In this case, uh, ostrich egg shells, which uh, were an important commodity uh, in the uh, in the desert for uh, uh, storing water, uh, and then. If we go to around 30,000 years ago, uh, we see this uh, wonderful cave art in Chauvert uh, in France. Uh, we see bear, uh, mammoths, horses, uh, bison, etc. And uh, over in Germany, we begin to see um, figurines. Uh, here's a horse, here's a, a lion's head. Lions did roam uh, in, in Europe uh, at that time. And these may be uh, the, the oldest figurines that we've ever um, uh, discovered. And then uh, more on the bull herd uh, figurines, uh, this kind of curious uh, leopard man, apparently, you know, a, a bipedal leopard, very interesting character. And again, what these mean uh, is, is difficult to say, uh, except that, uh, you know, animal life seemed to be a very kind of uh, common thing that we find on, on cave walls could emphasize uh, an economic uh, emphasis on hunting, uh, that's a guess, a uh, pretty good one, but, you know, really hard to test that kind of, um, kind of idea. And here uh, in, in, uh, in, in France, 20,000 years ago, somehow we got up to there, uh, but, you know, here's what it, you know, looks like kind of in black and white with all the uh, colors gone, but then the recreation of the, uh, the colors shows a uh, you know, wonderful artistic uh, sensitivity, a sense of design, balance, symmetry, uh, coloration is, is very nice. And uh, the odd thing about this is that you know, this, this is regarded as a shaman because the eyes are facing forward as they were in a human, not side to side, as they would be in, a, uh, in an elk. So the arts <coughs> seems to have uh, several qualities beyond the necessities of, of being unique. It expresses as well as communicates. It stimulates the senses, affects the emotions, and evokes ideas. It is produced in culturally patterned ways and styles, and it has cultural meaning. So art could be really, you know, complex from the emotional to the uh, to the intellectual, uh, and 
uh, our sense of beauty, all is encapsulated cross-culturally uh, in, uh, in the arts. <clears throat> body decoration and adornment, all societies decorate or adorn the body either temporarily or permanently. Uh, there's enormous cultural variation in the, in, in the parts uh, decorated and how. And to this we could add uh, clothing. Uh, of course, today tattooing uh, is, is really common, even though it was pretty rare, at least in the United States, uh, 20 uh, years ago or something like that. Um, and body decorations and adornments serve the following purposes. They delineate social position, rank, sex, occupation, local and ethnic identity or religion, and sometimes for the youth, erotic uh, significance. And uh, this issue of ethnic identity is a really, you know, uh, important um, dimension in that uh, uh, people try to mark what cultural group they belong to uh, by having a uh, artistic uh, style of bodily adornment or dress uh, that is specific uh, to their to their group and separates them from all uh, others. And of course, uh, you know, when one uh, dresses, uh, one you know is kind of strategically thinking. Uh, who they want to be, who they want to be seen as, uh, who they want to hang out with, etc., etc. So this is something that is uh, very ancient uh, in humans and has relevance today. Uh, here are some examples of bodily adornment from the uh, uh, your textbook. Uh, New Guinea males, uh, they are uh, much more dressed up than, uh, than females. Uh, and if you look at this uh, outfit this guy has on, it's really made of very difficult to acquire and expensive uh, uh, forms of body coloration. Uh, what we don't see here is this brilliant uh, uh, yellow chrome color uh, that uh, they can sometimes uh, get. Uh, but uh, anyway, this uh, you know essentially designates a person that's high status. Uh, and here we have these other forms of identification over there, the Pondoman in, in Tanzania, uh, pretty much you know identifying what ethnic group uh, he, uh, he belongs to. Uh, here's some shots I took uh, in the field of uh, the kinds of you know, decoration the Anamamo have. Uh, women, you know, especially decorate themselves with flowers and uh, nose piercings and lower lip piercings. Uh, and here this young woman is getting dressed up for a, uh, a festival that's going to be held. Here's a young girl with this kind of characteristic tattoo. Uh, found in some parts of the Yanomamo distribution with bees. And of course, the men also get dressed up uh, as well. Uh, I would say, you know, both of them, men and women in, among the Yanomamo, uh, get dressed up or adorn their bodily and uh, their bodies uh, to the same, uh, same sort of degree, although women a little bit more. Oh, that's a repeat. Sorry. Uh, explain variation in the arts. Different cultures not only use or emphasize different materials and have different ideas of beauty, uh, but they also have uh, some may have characteristic styles and themes, and so uh, it can uh, uh, vary according to interesting dimensions on uh, visual art, uh, music, and, and folklore, which are going to be talking about now for the next uh, few slides. Uh, one sort of thing that we know about uh, visual art, uh, if we look at egalitarian societies, that is band and tribal level societies and compare them to stratified societies such as chieftains and states, we have repetition of simple elements uh, and uh, we get more complex integration of unlike elements, uh, much empty or irrelevant space, uh, little empty uh, space, 
uh, symmetrical design, asymmetrical designs, unenclosed figures, enclosed figures. And so we see this relationship as societies get more complex, their artistic production uh, gets uh, more complex. And this is probably uh, a consequence of uh, superior technology in some cases, a larger population base from which ideas can flow. Uh, and artistic tra traditions can uh, can grow, and also the fact that uh, there's quite a bit of social differentiation in stratified societies, and people will dress differently, decorate their bodies differently, uh, uh, and have different forms of art, kind of denoting who they are uh, in the social hierarchy. So these trends are, are are pretty well established and evident uh, cross culturally as we move from egalitarian societies to more complex stratified societies. Uh, music, uh, there's a wide variation in musical styles and musical instruments from society to society. Uh, there have been relationships suggested between child-rearing uh, practices and certain rhythmic uh, patterns, tonal ranges, and voice quality. Uh, there is some relationship. I think the relationship is fairly weak and may not necessarily have much to do with uh, child-rearing uh, practices, but again, this is an interest of the authors of your um, textbook. I think once, what's much more uh, interesting is Alan uh, Lomax's research, the, the Global Jukebox, essentially a compendium of about 3,200 different uh, uh, songs and musical styles find around the world. And, and again, songs in complex societies tend to have lots of words and clear enunciation. Uh, as an example, a, a lot of the songs in simple societies is described in your textbook are things like tra-la-la, etc., things of that nature that really are uh, nonsensical in terms of, uh, uh, you know, meaning, uh, although they have, you know, a rhythmic and artistic uh, uh, dimensions to it in terms of the uh, pitch and, and emphasis of the various syllables, the nonsense syllables. Uh, it talks about uh, polyphony and interlocking styles as relating to uh, uh, certain artistic uh, traditions. You should take a look at that. Then the elaboration of song parts associated with cultural complexities. Uh, from, you know, interlock styles to a leader with call and response uh, to solos backed by, by a chorus. And, you know, what we find, you know, especially into solos backed by a chorus is a kind of, you know, hierarchical relationship in that the soloist is the main uh, performer commands the stage and is kind of backed up by a uh, uh, a chorus, whereas the kind of you know a call and response is a more kind of integrated, uh, holistic uh, kind of uh, sense of social organization when these songs are are sung because people are you know um, kind of calling upon one another to, to uh, participate. Uh, explaining variation folklore uh, includes all the myths, legends, folk tales, ballads, riddles, proverbs, and superstitions of a cultural group. Uh, they use the term superstition in the book. I don't much like the uh, term uh, superstition. Uh, but uh, anyway, here we're essentially talking about um, uh, spoken uh, forms of art in myths, legends, folk tales, ballads. Uh, riddles, proverbs, you know, these are kind of all verbal things. They're all part of the artistic tr tradition of, uh, of, uh, of any group, and, uh, you know, they're found, you know, uh, all over the world. Uh, viewing art of, of other cultures, uh, and this is kind of an interesting section, art from most complex cultures tend to be treated as nameless, primitive 
art and, and timeless. Well, it's not timeless. Uh, it may be uh, primitive, but it really just means simple. Uh, and there's no pejorative dimension uh, uh, should be you know put in that. Some simple things are very elegant, beautiful, and, and compelling pieces of art. I think of some of the uh, work of someone like Picasso. Uh, it's uh, very uh, primitive, if you will, because it's very simple. Uh, there's a market for primitive art uh, or tourist and uh, the discussion between tourists and fine arts. Uh, the, the thing about so-called primitive art or traditional art uh, is that uh, it uh, gains value in terms of being identified with a particular group and made by members uh, of that group. Uh, however, you know, if you look at the uh, markets around the world, if you go to, let's say, uh, uh, various parts of the world, you get to see some uh, tribal art. A lot of it is uh, cheaply made because it's made for the tourist trade. Uh, and in fact, it may even be tweaked in terms of its design to appeal to the taste of, uh, of, uh, of tourists. Uh, and again, you know, we tend to, you know, contrast this with fine arts, uh, but uh, you know the fine arts is really interesting in terms of what goes on in Milan, Paris, New York, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, a lot of these artists gain a notoriety, a notoriety through the manipulation of the art market, uh, and it's not that their art is any uh, better than anybody else's art, but it's essentially uh, manipulated by. Uh, people who uh, fancy themselves as experts own galleries, things of the nature. So there's a nice discussion of that in the textbook. Uh, some societies do appear to be more communal than others in their art and style, uh, in that uh, some of the art, you know, uh, uh, talks about uh, us as, as a group versus me as an artist. And then again, this is another kind of interesting uh, dimension of, of art as it varies cross-culturally. Uh, artistic change and cultural contact. Uh, recent cultural contact has had a profound effect on art in various parts of the world. And here uh, we're, we're largely talking about uh, musical art, uh, the spread of uh, uh, forms, say, from the United States. We've been talking about uh, rock and roll, blues, jazz, etc., etc., has had you know enormous uh, influence uh, around the world. But at the same time, uh, people are interested in world music, uh, which are the you know uh, uh, indigenous uh, artistic um, uh, musical forms found all over the world, and they kind of move into the United States. And also, uh, when you look at kind of indigenous forms in other parts of the world, how they're influenced uh, by you know uh, let's say again uh, the leading example American uh, musical forms. There's this kind of really interesting uh, blending uh, that that occurs in the artistic uh, production. Uh, the, the decimation of many indigenous populations led to a loss of many artistic uh, traditions. And uh, this is very true. Uh, you know, uh, they, the uh, indigenous people tend to uh, live at a lower level. Their uh, language is despised. Their religion is also their art regarded as second class. And uh, so you, you have this situation where uh, you have this, uh, you know, kind of almost artistic genocide, uh, if you will, uh, and the loss of uh, this, this kind of uh, artistic tradition uh, that is, uh, you know, uh, uh, sad, uh, but, you know, that's the way the world works. Uh, some terms and concepts, uh, <clears throat> the highlights on uh, rock art, a spread of pop music, 
mask and emotion. I forgot to mention that. Uh, you know, if you look at mask, uh, it's in the section early on in, in this chapter, uh, there are uh, emotions, uh, you know, in the mask that are those kind of basic uh, uh, facial expressions of emotions such as fear, happiness, surprise that we talked about uh, earlier in, um, I think, probably chapter three or four. Uh, and so, you know, take a look at that section. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, the earliest art, uh, you know, it, uh, art is one of the things that, you know, distinguishes us as, as, uh, as a species. It's something that is, uh, represents human uh, uniqueness. Uh, art and facial expressions of emotion, again, as I mentioned. Uh, cultural and artistic uh, complexity. Uh, again, remember that table where uh, more complex societies have more kind of complex uh, art forms. It doesn't mean these forms are better or more aesthetically pleasing. It just means that they're different. Uh, and then uh, also, if you look at the section on myths, uh, there seems to be uh, essentially, you know, five sorts of things that myths focus on: disasters, incest, uh, monster slaying, sibling rivalry, and even uh, uh, castration. Uh, and so these themes, you know, kind of crop up again and again, no matter where we look. In the um, uh, this is not what you know all myth or all folk tales focus on. Uh, but, you know, these things seem to crop up uh, uh, very, very frequently uh, in these uh, folktales. And then uh, finally, on the commercialization of traditional art, uh, in many ways, uh, Native peoples have an art that, 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 that appeals, is interesting to the Western market. It's only kind of a way in which they can make a, a good living. Uh, and so it, whether we're talking about uh, Hopi or Navajo uh, art in the American Southwest with their uh, ceramics or with their, their blankets uh, or uh, art in other part of the world. It's a way uh, that um, traditional people have kind of captured the imagination of uh, wealthy people who are willing to uh, uh, pay for their art. So that's it on art.